You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. things that impressed me most when I began to really get into Bible study and especially start to really examine the Old Testament was just how many prophecies found their direct fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And actually these prophecies begin very early in the scriptures. Just a few chapters into the book of Genesis, we hear about the fall of mankind into sin, the serpent, which is Satan, and the man and the woman are all cursed for this sin, this sin of rebellion against God's command, God's word. And it ends with this statement that uh, that God would put enmity, uh, uh, discord between the snake and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. You, the snake will strike the heel of the woman, but the offspring of the woman will crush the head of the snake. Now, there's a kind of natural fulfillment in this statement, certainly to this very day. Mankind and snakes do not get along very well. Snakes bite people. Some people die every year from snake bites. And people kill snakes. They crush their heads or they chop off their heads, either out of fear or in defense. A couple years back, Gene and I went for a long drive in the mountains of Nevada. And we ended up at this wildlife refuge, which was very remote. And there was this old pioneer cabin on the property, this small wooden structure that had been built by the time when the wagon trains were moving west in the old west. And I was kind of exploring around the cabin on my own and I walked a little bit away from it into some brush and some sagebrush. Before long, as I was walking, suddenly I heard a distinctive and angry rattling sound. I stopped dead in my tracks. Now, I grew up in Michigan, and uh, we don't have poisonous snakes. We don't have large snakes where I grew up. I had never even been around or never seen a rattlesnake before. But something in my core recognized that sound immediately, and I knew that I was in danger, that I had stumbled upon this rattlesnake, and it was angry. I felt real fear when I heard that sound. I slowly and carefully backed away and retraced my steps out of the brush, I was pretty sure that that snake would be able to strike my heel faster than I would be able to crush its head. So there's this sort of natural fulfillment 
man and snakes don't really get along. But of course there is this figurative fulfillment in Christ. Maybe I should conclude that. I, I, you know, the snake did not bite me. I got away, so I'm okay. There's this fulfillment in Christ as well. Satan won the day on Good Friday. He struck the heel of the woman's offspring. Mary was literally sitting at the foot of the cross and watched her firstborn son die. But it is also true that the head of the snake was crushed. In this same action, Jesus overcame, conquered sin, death, and the devil. So these prophecies begin very early in Scripture, all the way at the beginning of Genesis, and they continue on throughout. Our reading from the Old Testament this morning also has this wonderful prophecy looking forward to Jesus. It says this, speaking about Moses, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, like Moses, from among you, from your brothers. It is to him that you shall listen. Now, at first, it, it, it may seem like Jesus and Moses are very different. For example, Moses lived for 120 years, and Jesus only lived for 33 or so. Their missions were fundamentally different as well. Moses was a lawgiver, and Jesus was the Savior. Uh, John, by the way, summarizes this in just one sentence. At the beginning of the Gospel of John says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But the similarities are many as well. Uh, for example, Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness uh, with Jethro, tending the flocks, as he was preparing for this special mission to lead the people of God, to have them come out from their captivity, out of their slavery in Egypt. And Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, also preparing for his public ministry, preparation for his preaching and teaching. Notice how God confirms this connection at this scene, this mountaintop scene at the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter and James and John are together with Jesus and they see his face shining and glowing with radiance, something that happened to Moses, by the way. And, and Jesus is there with Moses and he's talking to Moses and talking to Elijah. And suddenly this voice from heaven comes and it says, uh, just like at the baptism of Jesus, it says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. But he adds one more thing that's not said at the baptism. He says, listen to him. I always thought that was an odd addition. Weren't Peter and James and John already listening to Jesus? I mean, they dropped everything, right? We talked about that last week. They dropped their careers. They dropped their livelihood. And they started to follow Jesus. Of course they were listening to him. But with those words, God was connecting Jesus to that passage in Deuteronomy. That there will be this prophet like Moses. He will come afterward and you are to listen to him. 
Moses went up on the mountain as well. He went up to the Mount Sinai to receive the law of God. Moses went to the tent of meeting again and again to inquire of God's will. And then he would turn and convey the word of God to the people. That's what a prophet does. He speaks the word of God to the people. Jesus was a little bit different, though. Jesus himself was the word of God. He was the living, breathing word of God standing before the people. He's God made flesh. Everything about Jesus, everything he said and everything he did itself is the word of God. So Jesus did not need to have a special encounter with God like like Moses in the burning bush. He did not have to have these mountaintop experiences in order to learn something new and then convey it to the people. Instead, he just spoke the words of the Father. He said, I speak what he commands me to say. A lot of this is found in the Gospel of John. This is Jesus speaking. See how this connects as well to our reading. So in chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And there is one more big difference between Moses and Jesus. Moses messed up sometimes. Moses complained a lot. Moses made a lot of excuses. Moses sometimes lacked confidence. He asked to have his brother speak on his behalf. He said, I'm a stutterer, God. I'm not a good public speaker. Aaron even performed a lot of the miracles for Moses. Moses even denied God his glory due him when he struck the rock two times instead of the one time that he had been commanded and he was prevented from entering the promised land. Moses was for sure Israel's greatest prophet. He was the lawgiver. He led the people out of slavery. He was uniquely humble. That's something that's said again and again. And it was said that God spoke to Moses face to face. But he bungled things up sometimes too. Compare that to the Gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read about Jesus, he's a little bit different. He does not complain. He never lacked confidence. He, he never sinned. He, he never disobeyed. He never tried to get someone else to do the thing that God had called him to do. He never doubted God's promise. Yeah, he prayed and he asked for another way if it's God's will, but he said, not my will, but yours be done. The people noticed there's something different about this guy, this prophet. No wonder everyone marveled at his authority uh, as he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. Uh, No wonder even the, the unclean spirits, the demons, would blurt out, We know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And this gets to why we needed this second prophet. To come after Moses. Even Moses could not keep the law of Moses. 
Even Moses had a crisis of faith or of confidence here and there. Even Moses, the great lawgiver, made mistakes. Even he had fits of anger. Even Moses needed something more than the law. Even Moses needed a savior. And so Moses knew about this one who was to come. And he looked forward to this prophet who would come after me. How much more do we need this Jesus than Moses? Uh, How much more do we need this promise of grace and forgiveness? Of course, none of us will ever have uh, the intimacy with God that Moses experienced. We will never uh, be put into the cleft of a rock and God pass by right next to us. And, and we see that and our face shining and so forth. We will never experience anything like that. Uh, but even he needed God's grace. Because the thing with the law of Moses is that it's really good at helping us to know our sin. It's really good at helping us know what is wrong. But it's not so great at helping us keep that law. It's not so great at helping us to actually stop sinning. In fact, knowing something is wrong sometimes makes us want to do it all the more. There's an example of this from the writings of Augustine about 1700 years ago. Augustine wrote that when he was a child, he was with a group of boys, and they went to a field that was not their own, uh, own, belonging to someone else, and they saw this lovely pear tree full of ripe, juicy pears. He said that him and the boys were not hungry. He said they, were, they had no need of the fruit, but they stole all the pears off of that tree just for the joy of doing something wrong. Just because they knew it was bad, they decided they wanted to do it. The law lets us know that we are sinners, but the law cannot save. The law cannot redeem. So in uh, Lutheran circles, they often say the law kills, but Jesus Christ makes alive. Through his loving forgiveness, he makes alive through his death on the cross he makes alive this is the work of that second prophet who was to come after moses this is the work of the one that we are told listen to him and so we do listen to his words we listen to jesus i especially think we listen to jesus as he hangs on the cross and he says Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm told to listen to those words, and so I do. I hear those words. I trust in those words. I believe that when Jesus prayed those words, he prayed them with me in mind and with you in mind. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I believe it, and I listen to it. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.